Welcome to the Virginia Wine Time Podcast. On today's show, Warren and I get to talk with Doug Fabioli of Fabioli Cellars. On Sunday, we had the chance to meet with Doug in his wine cellar and talk about and taste his wines. We also talked about the Virginia wine industry as well. During the show, you will notice other noises in the background. There were some children around, and we were moving around the wine cellar while talking about and tasting his wines. We'd like to thank Doug for letting us talk with him and record the show. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Doug. You know, I've been making wine for 25 years, and uh, now I'm finally at a point where I can make some with my label on it, name, and, um, you know, I I love what I do. I try to put that in the bottle and make it something that people are going to enjoy. So you started off in Sonoma? I actually started out in upstate New York, worked in a vineyard up there, small vineyard, uh, just growing grapes, made a little home wine, and then, uh, and then moved into, um, um, after graduating from, I graduated from Syracuse with a business degree, and uh, we went to California after that. We worked in uh, Sonoma uh, for 10 years at Buena Vista, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then came out here in 97. I, I uh, had a job offer with Terrara, okay. and I took that. It was a nice opportunity. It kind of, uh, um, you know, put, put me in the limelight of everybody, pretty relatively big winery, and uh, helped step it up a couple notches in, in the three years, four years that I was there. So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was fun. And then uh, 2001, I uh, left there and started basically consulting, right. um, which in the wine industry usually means you're a winemaker for two or three guys right. rather right. than one big guy. Right. And, uh, and that's what I did. So I started working with Wyndham, and I, st- I planted our vineyard here in 2001. And, and you're working uh, with, uh, with Stephen Mackey over at Nevada. I do some work with Stephen Mackey yeah. along, but my main wine ones were uh, Wyndham and uh, Old House down oh, nice. in Culpeper. Okay. And then uh, I actually, uh, and in the, in the other times, I, I actually helped uh, Water, or, uh, Waterford get started. Mm-hmm. I helped Hillsboro get started. Um, and it's kind of nice because I've really helped that, that route along there, yeah. I feel. You know, get some nice wineries going. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, those are, those are yeah, great ones. Makes it, that's, yeah. you know, that's the, the premier line of Loudoun County, I feel, you know, as yeah. far as wine quality goes. I'm real proud of what they're yeah. doing over yeah. there. Yeah, we were there yesterday at Hillsboro. Yeah. Good, yeah. good. So you chatted with Bora and... Uh, we had so their house. They were very busy yesterday. Yeah, they were okay. extremely busy. And then they were having a private function, so we they had to were leave. Wedding, so okay. we left a little early. So uh, yeah, we, we've chatted with them in the past. We're going to revisit. Their good, new good. Definitely. Yeah, they're they're doing some nice wines and some some interesting stuff. You know, it's uh, uh, I love that that setting is just gorgeous. Yeah, it is absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. I uh, I actually saw that property before they. Um, before they bought it, when they were in the process of buying it, I look. I, I worked for the sellers on a day just to do a, a one-day evaluation, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it would work for a, a winery and a vineyard. And I was like, "It's a nice spot for a wine, for a vineyard. It's a gorgeous spot for a winery and a tasting room. Mm-hmm. You know, just perfect." Now, how do you know a spot is perfect? Because we see a lot of uh, acreage, and how do you decide this is a better plot for a vineyard than the one across the street, for example? You know, the the key one here. I learned a lot on this vineyard here. Yeah. And the thing that I learned was that uh, this little section, as you're looking out, you can see some mowing, but no vineyard. Yeah. Right. That's too low. Okay. Okay. We learned that because, uh, I mean, as the frosts would come in, I, you know, I remember standing here one day in my office and looking out in the window, and it's like, oh wow, it's all green up there, and it's all brown again down there. You know, and I said, okay, that's it. It's just too low. Stop doing it. Stop it. So I, I basically, I ripped those vineyards out okay. that were there, 
push things up. We got we got um, raspberries planted down below. Okay. And that works out really well for what we're trying to do. Too um, much moisture rests in that area. Uh, it's not the moisture. No. It was it's the cold air. Okay? okay. That cold air it's going to stratify, and you can walk through. You know, in the evenings, if you're walking through, or we may take the golf cart through. You can really see how that air temperature just changes mm -hmm. as you go down a foot. Boom! All of a sudden, there's another layer. It's like you know, you ever swim in a lake. Yeah. And, you know, it's a nice big lake, and all of a sudden, you know, you get your feet, and you're like, oh, my God, it's cold down there. Yeah. Same concept, okay. okay? That cold is going to settle down in those lower points. And this is where, uh, you know, you want some roll. You want some flow. Um, I fenced off a lot more than I could possibly plant in grapes. I'm going to put okay. a little bit more eventually up here on this higher level, and I've got a little bit in that corner and a little bit by the tree. But, I, you know, the tree stays. It's too pretty to cut down. How many acres um, do you have? I've got a total of 25 acres, okay. and planted, I've got about five. Okay. Fine. Okay. okay, so I figured I could probably get another couple in here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my goal here really is um, kind of size myself in a way that, uh, you know, that I'm self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, that I can grow the grapes I need to. I may reach out to a couple other guys and, and buy some from them, and I may sell some of what I've got extra. But, um, you know... I don't want to be making 10,000 cases. No. I don't want to be doing these things that a lot of people are, have these big numbers and big goals. You know, I'm kind of a one-stop one shop, you know, as far as what I'm doing, and I don't want to rely a lot on a lot of other people. So um, what do you have planted out here? I've got mostly Merlot, um, okay. and then I've got some Cabernet Franc, some Tanat, and some Petit Verdot. Okay. Okay. Um, I will be getting in, uh, I think next year I'm going to get a little Cab Sauv in, but I've got, right now I've got a great grower that uh, is uh, um, selling me some, and I've got some Chamberson uh, from another grower that I'm working with, and, uh, you know, and these are guys that, you know, when I started consulting, aside from my winemaking, you know, I kind of got some of these growers on board, and, you know, they either, either I started with them or got them once they got in there a couple of years and kind of said, ah, now what? Yeah. You know, they, they got gearing along, yeah. so... He's so living that. <laughs> Brand new tractor his dad yeah. just bought. Oh, yeah, he's he he's eating it up. Here. This is not mine. <laughs> I do not have this kind of money. I wish. Very nice. So. Well, we've had your Tracerelli over at Wyndham. Okay. And it was very good. Well, thank you. Thank you. I um, want to open another one for you. Oh, very cool. While we're uh, uh, tasting, let me chill down a third. Uh, right now, I basically have three wines. And... Um, Right, you just released the Fratelli last, last week? Correct. And I've got my own raspberry Merlot that I'm doing also. Oh, I so, wondered about that. I saw that on your website. I wondered if it's the same as the it, uh, Wyndham. It's a little different. I, try, I make it a little bit drier. Okay. Um, you know, we, uh, this one was a little tough because it, it really is a unique wine. And I'm real proud of what I've done with Wyndham mm -hmm. and how we did it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of tough for me. It was, it was my wife's idea, the whole thing. Really? And it was awful tough for me to say, oh, George, it's all yours. <laughs> so what I'm doing, but, you know, I, I don't want to be Mr. Raspberry Merlot. And I do feel that that wine can just fly. I mean, it is so tasty. Mm -hmm. And it is so well received. Um, so I'm doing it here. But as far as out in the market, it's his. You know, okay. it's the Wyndham product, and I'll keep making it, and I'll make the style a little bit different. But, um, you know, I don't want to try to get too many wines out there that are, that are too close. Right. So, because, you know, I mean, there's, it's tough to, I've tasted other raspberry Merlots, but the, the way I make it is something that I don't, you know, I, I can't go back to another way, you know, to extract or concentrate or any of that other gunk. You know, it's all fresh fruit. That's the key. That right. is the absolute key. 
Well, we had it at a, we did a, um, a sideways party, the movie Sideways, uh-huh. and we served the raspberry milo for dessert. Oh, really? And yeah. People loved it. Good. Yeah. Good. So was that like you watched the movie and yeah. drink the wine we and watched the movie. courses? Or did you... We only serve Virginia Malos. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. okay. So you really flung it at the other. I was, I was gonna say. Now, did you go back to where you only poured the wines that he was tasting at the no. time? Yeah. That would have been, that would have been full blown. Yeah, because of his comments about the Merlot, he said, "Let's right. go all Virginia Merlots." Because, okay. because I happen to love Virginia Merlots. Okay. So, you know, we went that way. It is uh, Virginia Merlot's a little challenging. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Merlot is a little challenging. You know, the Tracerelli is sixty what is it, sixty-five percent I guess. So I'm I'm pretty pleased with how it's come out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very nice. This is um so Fratelli is uh about sixty percent ten uh Chamberson. Okay. Okay. With uh some Tanat, a little Merlot, and a little uh Tariga. Okay. Basically this wine I kind of worked opposite of the way I usually make wine. Usually I kind of let the vineyard say, this is what I want to be. Okay. And, and let it go from, and, and then work the grapes that way. And just, you know, just try to make the best wine from what I've got. This one, I kind of had, I had more of a picture in my mind. Okay. You know, I had more of a lighter style dry red, uh, American Chianti kind of concept. Okay. Okay. So as I went through this thing, I said, you know what? That's that's what I'm looking for. What do I have to work with? I was very fortunate that the grower that I've been working with, the Chamberson, for a while, because I knew I wanted the Chamberson as the base. He grows it in such a way that it's not gamey. You know, it doesn't have that Chamberson bite or uh, foxiness or what some people may refer to as. You know, it's it's basically a nice base. You know, it's a nice, clean, fruit-forward base with no back, with absolutely no structure. All right, no tannins, not mm-hmm. heavy. This is nice. So then, but you need that tannin. You need something. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is where I went over to the to the uh, Tanat. I said, okay, Tanat, it's all ass. It is all just full, big. There's no front. There's no real middle. It's just solid in the back. Very good. So the, my question for you is, um, why are you concentrating on just reds? First of all, I think concentrate is a great word. Focus right. is something that I'm trying to do more than anything else. Yeah, well, the so. quality of Virginia wine has improved over the past 10 years. It's oh, absolutely. 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 You want a little more of that? You want to go to the Tracerelli? Let's, uh, let's compare with Tracer. Okay. Compare. Now, this one I really enjoyed because uh, it was nice and mellow, and you still got the Merlot, um, yeah, the Merlot cherry quality, quality in there. It, you know, it, it made it. I mean, that was the thing is that I'm sitting here blending it, and it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then I got to that point, and I said, it needs something. And I kept trying to hold off, because it's an 05, and I still have all the Tracerelli, the, the Merlot, in the barrels. And I said, all right, I better try it. Yeah. And I tried one, and I said, that's it. Mm-hmm. Only 10%, but that was it. I mean, it's enough to give it that. that very, you know, yep. very kind of. Yep. And it just, it just rounded it out. Something about this vineyard, you know, and I go back because, you know, I, I, we've tasted the, uh, um, 
the other the other wines and you know I mean I make I make wines for a few places and I grow the grapes too so the style is really the the same in what I'm trying to do but this wine's different you know this wine is really different and I don't know I don't know that I'm at that point yet but I think it's soil I really think it's soil I mean this is what Jim Juan all these other people say soil and I've been doing this for 25 years and so much of my work has been here in the canopy, yeah. you know, working those vines because I never get a chance to, you know, usually the vines, the vineyard's already in and I'm stuck with the soils that are there. There's nothing I can change there. Right. So, you know, but I really do think that that's, I think that's it. Well, we went to the um, barrel tasting at Linden last weekend. Yeah, we got to meet some of the... Um, we met uh, Jerry Venus, um, Boisseau, Richard Boisseau. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Sherry Venus was the one who was talking about the, um, the soil. The terroir. And, uh, yeah, her the particular terroir. microclimate with where her. she where, where she's growing her grapes, it's more mineral, and that actually comes so through in her... Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it definitely goes right with everything you're saying about that. But again, though, I have to get back to... The reason with the reds is because you want to concentrate on just... Um... I th- yeah, um, first of all, there's a practicality of it is that I don't need cooling to make red, make white, red wines. Okay, I don't need a cooling system. And, you know, I'm working here. And I've always had... My, my passion and heart has always been in making red wines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be able to... I'm not trying to make a full-bore gamut of wines... I'm just trying to make the wines that I feel most comfortable making here, and uh, it just kind of fit that that was it. That, that, you know, making making the reds and and focusing on the reds. I've you know, as a home winemaker and at that point of vista and here, that's always where my heart has been. I, I got to say, I mean, I'm real pleased with a lot of the whites I've made. I think our you know our, our Fumé Blanc at Wyndham is probably you know oh, one of the classic. I'm just so stoked about that's that good. wine, and uh, you know to see the consistency. From 02 to 0 through 05 in the four totally different growing years, and yet you know we those flavor profiles are right there, yeah. and that 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 really really makes me feel great. Yeah. It really makes me proud. Now, what does the I wanted to ask about Taraga in the um, yeah Taraga in the Fertel. Right. What does that provide for this particular bottle of wine? Well, it kind of gives a there's a um, there's a berry fruit on that. It's kind of a strawberry. What we can do is once we taste through these, we'll tap into a couple barrels and give you an idea what these pieces mm-hmm. are tasting mm-hmm. like. Okay, because I think that's something. I see, I did a barrel tasting back at Wyndham um, a few months ago, and I had the same, I had a good uh, good friend of mine was growing down in Orange County, an old, uh, a vineyard that Horton had planted, and they... Um, Usually, I, I only get fruit from people I work with. Well, Jeanette, you know, I've known her for years, and I know how, what kind of grower she is. But um, I got the Tariga and the Tanak from her, and I got some for Wyndham and some for here because I really wanted to get further into the blending process. Mm-hmm. I really felt I needed more paints for the palate, okay, if you think about it that way. Um, because I really, I could just, you know, I, I kept feeling like I was coming up a little short at Wyndham as far as the, the, the pieces that I was looking for, the flavor profiles and the things that, that I could do. The Tariga is all bright fruit and really not a lot of structure in the back. Okay. The, the Petit Verdot is kind of big middle. Yeah. Okay. So it's acid in its color and it's fat middle. And then the Tanat is all on the back end. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by using these one dimensional grapes, now I've got 
some specific colors that as a wine needs something, I can I can hit it here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really kind of adds a bright nose to this. Mm-hmm. Now the Trigo Nacional is uh, it's you know national grape of Portugal. This is the main grape used for port. So I think, and I know Pierman took over that vineyard, and he's planning on using that to make a port this fall, uh-huh. uh, Tariga and Tintacao. So it's going to be interesting. Which vineyard is this now? This is, it's a vineyard down in Orange County. It was one that Horton had planted. Okay. There's about 21 acres. We heard this. We heard that Chris Pan was, was buying another vineyard to well, do something. Now he's got a whole other project going too. He's got Lagrange Vineyard. The Grange oh, that Winery. Is, that's that's right. okay. That's the, that's, that's in hard. Prince William. So this is just strictly a vineyard that was planted on a on a, uh, a farm that is it's a turkey farm, and the owners really didn't had didn't know grapes, didn't want grapes, didn't deal with grapes, but you know leased the land out. Well, then kind of got in a, didn't didn't quite fall together with Horton. Um, they kind of had a had a passing of the ways, and now it's you know last year it was somebody either somebody manages it or it goes to hell. You know, because you skip a year in a vineyard and it takes you three to catch yeah. up. Yeah. So you've got to maintain it. And and she did a real good job. They lost some fruit at the end. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I mean, they got, I think it was Tammy or whatever it was, the hurricane that came through and got yeah. dumped 13 inches on it. Oh, yeah. Just hell. Now, this one seems a little more full bodied than. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, this is much, or this one is smoother mm-hmm. than this one. Yeah. yeah. This is your Bordeaux blend. Yeah. Okay. Um,. This one's a baby still. I mean, it's 2004, but I see this laying down. I see this giving you a lot of time. Um, every time I taste it, you know, when you first taste it, 10 minutes later, you go back, you yeah. get another flavor yeah. profile. You know, 20 minutes decanting the next day. The complexity of this thing is just so intense and so vast mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, it's going to be a nice... Uh, it's good thing. young though. I, I'm, oh, it is good young, yeah, and it's it's good as it's opened up too. Yeah. I mean that's and that's you know that's I guess my goal. You know, on a business level, it's tough to have wines that sit around for five years before you can sell them. Yeah. You know, I just and and that I think is something that has hurt Virginia, is that you know everybody gets into this thing and puts a lot of money up front and they want to start selling something, um, and to make a wine that is drinkable early is hard. And to have it lay down for 10 years is harder, too. So, you know, if you can cover both ends, you know, this isn't a wine I could have made in my first 10 years of winemaking. Uh You know, I really don't think so. And a lot of it really had more to do with, you know, with the vineyard, I think, than anything else. I mean, I really, the the blend, my first blend when I made this blend was, okay, we got all the pieces good. Put them together and let's let's you know see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a lot of options at that at this wine. Um, you know, the other ones. Now that I've got my wines separate barrels and all that, I've got a lot more I can do. But this was my first blend of 200 cases, and I just I was very limited as far as what I could do. But that's a good good size to start with. Now, are you um, planning to go yet uh, farther with one one of the red or something? You know, I've been playing around a little bit. Um, and we're going to taste one here that we, uh, I, I pulled a barrel sample last year. Um, I'm probably looking to a bigger red. I want something mostly Cab Sauv, uh, probably with some Tanat in it, but just, you know, and I don't know, I'm looking up, uh, 
you know, the next name. I mean, we've got we've got Fratelli, which is brothers. We've got Tracerelli for the three, three sisters. sisters, for my wife and her two sisters. Yeah. Um, the next one, I don't know. We were thinking big ass red in Italian or something stupid like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. But so kind of kind of play off that. But you know, um, really just just full, really really full, and something that you know, when somebody tastes this. You know, some people say it's it's a little lighter. I don't want anybody ever to say this next wine is light. That will not pass their words. You okay? have to have a steak with it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you don't. You, are you ready for this wine? Are you yeah. sure? You know, and by not making too much and by having ones already available, I can I can give it the time I need. Right. You know, so that's where I'm kind of looking at this. But we had last weekend, I was pulling barrel samples. Uh, I only got one barrel of this Cab Sauv as the base. So, I mean, I'm only looking at probably, I might blend in a little bit of something, but I'm probably looking at only 30 cases of this okay. stuff. But, but I know now. And so, you know, I know where I got, I know where I got the grapes. I know what I did. So, you know, now I can, now I can make another, another wine. Well, I wouldn't um, call this light, the choice for light. No, I think it, it, it opens. It mm-hmm. opens. But, you know, everybody's got their own palate and their opinions. Yeah. And, you know, true. so. That's very true. Let's go over and taste a couple of barrels. All right. Well, so now are you planning to um, do a tasting room and... Uh, you know, I don't know. At this point, I don't have plans. This is my tasting space. And this is, you know, I'm doing it more in the winter time, or in the summertime than in the winter. Let me rinse this thing out. Um, and uh, I want to do it in such a way, you know, I may, I have plans to build an, an addition, but this will mainly be my cellar, and this will be my tasting space. I'll, I'll move my shop over to another area um, and uh, try to get try to get the industrial end a little bit less. But what is this I like? This, this. is Cabernet Sauvignon. This is the base of this, uh, this, this is big good. ass red I'm looking at. But God, the fruit nose on oh, it. Yeah, it's huge. And, and the color, it's a magenta. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. And it's got such nice structure. Yep. You know, there's some great pieces to this. I didn't know what this was. When I brought this fruit in, it had been after the storms and the berries had split and it showed a little bit of botrytis on there, but it was nice. It was still clean. Um, but I said, well, let's see what it does. Let's mm-hmm. just see what it does. And I was really impressed. Nice to see it. Yeah. So. Oh, this is really nice. Now, how long has this been in the barrel? Been in the barrel, what, seven months, I guess. It's what, so that would have been October. So yeah, about that. So how long are you going to keep doing it? I don't, you know, my next bottling will be August, but I don't see this wine going in the bottle in August. I'm going to sit down. My next thing to do is to start looking at the, um, at the Tracerelli blend. Uh, I've got another piece of um, of uh, the Fratelli to bottle. Okay. okay, so I've got this in the bottle, but I've got more aging a little bit longer, but same blend. Um, and then I'll also look at the, uh, so I'll look at the Tracerelli. I may blend this other wine, but I probably won't bottle. I'll probably put it back in barrels for another, mm-hmm. another mm-hmm. six months or so and bottle it in the spring. Well, this is nice. This is nice. Yeah. You know, on its own, it's nice. I was going to say, yeah, even it. by itself, it. and even as young as it is, it's nice. I am, you know, and that's why I'm kind of hesitant to blend because, you know, everybody I've tasted this with is like, don't touch it, give me a case. I was going to say, like, can you put it put yeah. in a bottle for me? I'll take it with me today. <laughs> <laughs> this is nice. Very nice. Violet. Violet yeah. It does have that violet. God, that nose is just incredible. It is.
I haven't tasted this tannin in a while. Let's go ahead and taste the tannin, then we'll go and check, check the raspberry. Yeah, this is going to be very tannic, right? It should be. It should be. That's what tannin. Is that what tannin means? I don't know what tannin means, but it certainly fits. I see a bottle of pure 100% uh, tannin at a wine shop near my house. I'm tempted to buy a bottle. Just you should. That's one of the nice things about you know I, I, I like Horton for that aspect because. You know, Dennis planted a lot of different grapes, and we've learned a lot from him because of all the grapes he's planted, and he's bottled in those, uh, you know, in that style. I mean, in that in that varietal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's no nose to this at all, yeah, especially relative to the last wine. Yeah. it's kind of soft in the middle, but then, you know, yeah. then you're chewing on it. Right, yeah. and, and you're chewing. It on has it. that end that just yeah, goes, mm, yeah. it's there. Cools on you. And again, nice color too. I like yep. that. Yeah, yeah. Very chewy. So yeah. that's a, you know, that's tanat. That's what tanat does. Kind of just. Gets but this will be just for blending. You want? Yeah, no, I don't see. I don't foresee blend um, making a tanat varietal. The only varietal I, 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 you know, I've got a cab franc in me. I mean, I've made cab francs for years. I made some. I really liked some of the cab francs. I made at Tarara. I really am pleased with the Cab Francs I'm making out at Wyndham. So. Now, what is your feeling on the uh, um, well, artificial you know, cork versus the real? I, uh, I tend to be opinionated on everything. Um, and uh, my, the story that I always tell is, you know, here I am, this fine winemaker who spends so much time out in the vineyard growing the grapes. You know, getting them right to perfection, picking them at the right time, bringing them in, processing, putting all my time and energy, barrel aging, uh, you know, doing the best I can for each of these wines, blending them, getting them in the bottle, and then putting a moldy piece of bark in it. Oh. It just doesn't sound right, does it? That's an interesting way to put you know, it, yeah. So I, uh, I love a good cork. Yeah. Um, there are few and far between. I still use corks at Wyndham. We use two inch, two inch, we call them bark, two inch bark. Okay. So a nice natural cork there. Um, and there is a tradition, I think a lot of people, there, there are going to be, um, there's always gonna be cork. There's always gonna be cork wine, wines with cork. Um, but, you know, certainly for, for the Fratelli, to use a synthetic, I got absolutely no problem with that. Um, they protect the wines well. They're not going to taint them. If if Ford Motor Company had three percent failure on their cars, there'd be a re recall. Okay, we as winemakers in, in the wine industry accept that. And I, I just you know, I mean, God, we had a beautiful. It was uh, you know, it was a ninety dollar bottle of. of uh, um, Chardonnay, a friend of mine had searched for special order. We got it in, and it was corked. Oh no! It's like, oh my God, what is this? You know how? Uh, uh, that's just heartbreaking. Yeah. That's really heartbreaking. So I think he knew about it too. No, I mean, well, he went back to the wine shop, and I think he got, you know, he probably got credit or something. Yeah. But you know, it just, uh, I don't know. That's the kind of thing that that, that hurts. Yeah. You know, it hurts. It hurts the industry, and uh, you know, and it, it is an education point. You know, so people learn about that. But I don't know. I think that um, I don't. I the only problem with the screwed cap is the perception. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, those guys in New Zealand have it right. I will say is that you know they're not screwing around anymore. Screw the perception. This is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and and a lot of people. You know, usually those same people that won't ever, you know, oh, no, I won't try Virginia wine again. Well, maybe they're probably the same people that won't accept a, a screw top or a synthetic Or they associate or, the screw top with the white Zinfandel. Right, right. So. Or, you know, Gallo Hardy Burgundy at, at, at three ninety nine a bottle, you know? Well, now, we've had some really nice... Um Australian or uh, New Zealand. Was, uh, New Zealand, so when you walk, it was... That was amazing. Yeah. The screw cap, so... So this is the Raspberry Merlot. This is the Raspberry Merlot that we make here. Now, how is this um, different from... Different. The, it's right? a little drier, okay. and I, it's a little bit... A little bit fuller is what I tried to do with it. Tried to make it a little... Uh, you know, I, it's, it's... Again, it's hard to just flip the coin. and I mean, I like the, I like the sweetness level... And we're not working at 13%. You know, Wyndham's at 6, this is at 4.5. This is just right, sweetness-wise. And it is a little... It, I think it's very nice on the tongue. Yeah, I can say, it's, it's, it's a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. I love it back then. So I did put a little bit of tenat in this to kind of give it a little more more yeah, back. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, God, the, the, the acid structure in the raspberries is so firm. That, that citric acid just carries so well. I love um, the smell of that. Now, so, how do you... Work with Merlot and raspberry. What kind of some winemaker work with? Two separate wines. Okay. okay, so I bring in the raspberries. I make a wine. I, I, you know, you've got to you've got to chapelize. You've got to add sugar because they're low sugar. So I want to make a wine that has enough sugar or enough alcohol that will protect itself. So you're working it. You know, you're bringing it up to a 12 percent alcohol potential. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you're making your Merlot, and then when it's time, you start looking at the blend. I want to make this really concentrated flavor. Okay, and then when I blend it in, I've got that hit, I've got that impact. Okay, and that's basically what I did. So I just, you know, it's basically straight fruit, add some sugar to balance it out, maybe a little bit of water just to make it flow because it's so pasty at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, uh, it it works, it works. And I've, you know, um, I've talked with other people, I see now there's a lot of competitions that have a spot. For rat, for fruit, wine, you know, fruit grape combinations mm-hmm. uh, for wines, and uh, the reception on this wine at Wyndham has been incredible. Yeah, and um, I can imagine. you know, it really is. I mean, it's it's, it's a money maker. You know, what well, people say, well, God, you're charging twenty bucks for a little bottle like that. Now I do say, you know, yeah, you should see those berries. Yeah, you're out there like this trying to pick them. They're a little bit of work, but you know, and it, and it is a little bit of work to put it together and. Then you've got package, you yeah. know. So when you're when you're putting this together, I mean, the bottle, you know, the bottle alone with the, the stuff on it cost me two bucks, mm-hmm. you wow. know. So it's not, you know, two actually no three by the time I put every all the shipping and everything in there. It's ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. were you wine making out in California as well? I was, yeah, I was in the cellars. I was not the winemaker. I was I was a, a barrel analogist when I left. But I mean, yeah. I, I did everything but made the final decision is basically what it was. Okay. Because so. California reds seem to be really fiery hot, like the hot, high alcohol content. They've, they're, they've changed, uh, evolved their process, and they've been hanging grapes a lot longer to get there. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you're picking at 25, 26 bricks, okay. which, you know, I, I don't know what's old is new again. Yeah. You know, that, that fat will change. But what I was going to say is that Virginia seems to be 
you know, doing really well with the alcohol can, content of anywhere from 11 well, to 13. Well, more approachable wines. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Much more approachable. You're, you're, you're not California. getting hit in the face with the alcohol. I think it's, red. It, it is tougher for us to get to those numbers as far as alcohol, as far as sugar and alcohol content goes, mm-hmm. naturally. You know, we just don't have that kind of, you know, that, that kind of climate that's going to do that. Um, not for all of our varieties anyway. Right. But I, I really think of, you know, when I'm picking grapes, it's, it's flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all about the flavor profile and what do these grapes taste like and what's that gonna, how's that going to transfer into the wine. You know, if I'm tasting a grape that, you know, is, is grassy and green pepper and, you know, and olives, I'm not there yet. Okay, but as I go further and and get into the black fruit and the plum and the ray and the you know that, that hint of raisin things like that, that's going to get me a little more riper. That's going to give me the profile flavors that I'm looking for. This really, but like it depends on the, on the grapes too. Like yeah. on the part with the Bordeaux, and I really, I, I mean, I, with the California wines, I really have to have a steak dinner prepared because you can't really. Not you, you can't can, sit. You, you can't, can't sit, sit and drink, drink it. it. Yeah, but you could sip like a nice French Bordeaux, for example. You could have it with. Well, you could have, and so I think that's where the Virginia red sip either of these. Yeah, you yeah. Guys help yourself. Any of these, you're still thirsty. Go ahead. I'm, uh, I still got work. Well, actually, I'm trying to think. I was going to say we probably. Oh my gosh, we've been here. Wow, I don't want to. Okay. Dominate, dominate your day, but um, I only got a thousand things. Going I know. On. That's what I'm, I'm only a farmer. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. But um, no, and can we buy some wines? Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me what you want. We'll get that. Um, well, I, I would actually like a bottle of all three. Okay, that's can. great. Do you great. Um, credit card? Yes, I do okay. credit card. Cool. Do you want anything? I think I'm gonna have. Um, I'm out of three packs, so I can. What I'll do is I'll put your guys. I'll put both your wines together in a six pack. Okay. That's burn. fine. Yeah, that's okay. fine. So as you hear, the recording drops out there because at this point we went ahead and purchased our wines and thanked Doug for such a wonderful afternoon and for filling us in so much about his wines. We do want to give Doug a big thank you for letting us come out on Sunday and record the audio and share it with our um, blog friends. So um, that's all for now. Thank you for listening and we'll have a podcast again soon.